Hi everyone, this is Neil Thompson from the Inside Oz podcast. As you know, the guys are raising money for Sheffield Children's Hospital, and you can donate online through their Just Giving page. If you donate, you can unlock huge bonus episodes from the guys, as well as other perks. Head on over to www.justgiving.com forward slash royalgrumble to donate whatever you can. There isn't a set amount to donate, it's completely up to you, and you can also see all the information regarding the bonus content. All donations go directly to Sheffield Children's Hospital. It's a great cause, so give whatever you can. Thank you. Let's get ready to grumble! Ladies and gentlemen, it's now time for the Royal Grumble. I'm your host, the best host, the only host. It's Daryl. Say hello, Dan. Hello. Where's Graham? So, uh, you might have heard about it in the news. Uh, he's been launching a campaign. He's gone down to Dagenham, and he's been campaigning against the Dagenham Girl, Bag- Girl Pipers, which is a bagpipe mar- marching band founded in 1930 by the Reverend Joseph Waddington Graves. No relation to Corey. Um... So Graham has got is being campaigning against them due to cultural appropriation. Oh, so he's on assignment in Dagenham. Yeah, he's on assignment in Dagenham. Okay, but where taking are you? down women's rights <laughs> and all that. He's such an anti-feminist, isn't he? <laughs> That's what he is. I've seen his posts on social media. <laughs> no comment. <laughs> that sounds worse than denying it. <laughs> he, he doesn't hate women. He loves women. His mum's one. <laughs> So, we've got a wrestling podcast to do, but uh, you did a live wrestling podcast this previous weekend. Would you like to talk about it? People paid to see this fat mess talk to someone talented. (laughs) Oh, seriously, though. Just on a side note, Mitch sent me some of the pictures afterwards, and have you noticed how only one's been posted online so far by me and stuff? Yeah. Yeah, that's the one where I don't look like a blob in my chair, because the chair was really unflattering. It was one of those where you're slightly leaned back, so my gut's just there, like... And I'm pretty much resting the microphone on top of my belly. And it, I actually felt self-conscious for once. Um, so anyway, on the actual you, topic... You interviewed, you interviewed uh, enough of your personal, <laughs> personal uh, demons, mate. You interviewed OJMO. <laughs> so, yeah, um, it was supposed to be Joe Nelson, but Joe Nelson couldn't get there due to travel issues. So uh, His mum grounded him because he's not done his own work. <laughs> so... Um, we got a replacement lined up in this form of the OJMO, who's been breaking out all over the country. Uh, he's only been wrestling two years. I thought of a gimmick for him. Okay. So do you know when the anti-fun police are, are there, like, policing stuff? OJMO, obstructing justice, Michael Oku, and he, he, he can, uh, like, obstruct their justice and have fun. <laughs> I was worried where that was going. Why? Why? <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, I had a very good conversation with the OJMO in front of the crowd at the green room. I thought of another gimmick for him. Okay. So, um, I, he's, I, if he ever hears this part, he's going to be very glad it was just me who showed up. He, yeah. probably wasn't sh- he probably wasn't thinking that at first. No, because this would have been my opener, mate. <laughs> <laughs> it would have been a very awkward interview after this. <laughs> another gimmick is um, he's a comedian, and he's called Only Joking Mike Loku. <laughs> Only joking. Yeah, that, that's his little catchphrase. <laughs> uh, so yeah, we talked for about half an hour about all things in his career and a few other extra stories that um, if you were there, you'll know how great a story it was. And it's very much going back worth and what uh, worth going back and watching. Uh, the show will be available. It, so it was us along. Well, it was me 
along with Graps and Claps, who interviewed Big Joe, who's the current breed champion, and the Grandest Stage, who interviewed Ivy, the current Woman of Steel. And it was it was a fun occasion, and it'll be on Patreon later this week. On uh, so if you go on breedwrestling.com, I think it is, or .co.uk. One of them. Just yeah. just pop it in Google Breed Wrestling. Yeah. It'll come up. Google Breed Wrestling. Go on the Patreon. Pay you three pounds something a month, and uh, later on this week you'll be able to watch. Um, because words matter too. That was the name of the show. Yeah. Because words matter too. Electric Boogaloo. <laughs> I saved it for the last one. Uh, and you can also watch the entire history of breed shows. And there's some decent ones in there. Another gimmick on the juice. Michael Oku, absolute juice head. That's what he should be. <laughs> like Scott Steiner, allegedly. <laughs> it was a very good interview. And hopefully, if you go and watch it, you'll enjoy it. I enjoyed it very much. I thought it went very well. I was a bit nervous because it's very well. It's been a while since I've done a solo podcast, and I've not done a solo live show since I supported Dead Replica at a pub in Doncaster doing an acoustic set because my band broke up for a few weeks before it, and that was in like two thousand six. So it's been a while. Yeah, but from what from what I've heard, you did a good job. Aye, yeah, you you represented the podcast well. I think I think it's a good job that. I think you and Graham can be trusted to do a show by yourself. I think I've just outed myself there as not being able to... If it were just me, you'd be like, nah, don't put it under Royal Grumble Banner. <laughs> well, doing my prep, I knew that he hated the what does OJMO stand for question, so I purposely did not write that one down. <laughs> but what does it stand for? I don't know. Well, well that's, it. that's the point of it. <laughs> well, I've come up with some good... Tw- Twitter, Twitter fans, listeners, go on Twitter and tweet him. And say, Dan says, uh, what does no. OJMO stand for? No, because Paul will do it. Like, you know Paul will do it. Like, I, I'm I'm specifically calling out one person who always does this stuff. And he'll do it. And he'll be like, ha ha. And he'll send it me a message to his group chat. Look what I did. I'm like, yeah, well done, Paul. Listen to the disdain in my voice, Paul. Oh, yeah. So if that does happen now, it's not funny. So probably don't do it. Yeah, I've ruined it. Yeah. Good. But before you went to breed and absolutely smashed it, you went to watch some more wrestling, didn't you? I was at the Corporation for the first Ref Pro show at the Corporation. Uh, I didn't go to Queen of the Ring. Which which is basically Southside. Yeah, it was... Because I'm not being funny. Right, Ref Pro doing an all-women's show is absolutely hilarious to me. When they're, <laughs> they, They've done it before. When their women's champion sells the t-shirts at your call, mate. <laughs> when their women's champion is in Japan for the rest of the year. <laughs> Who's selling t-shirts at your call? I don't know. Um... Yeah. So anyway, yeah, they did a Queen of the Rings show. Did anybody bat at ref? I think there was a ref bump on the Queen of the Rings show. Okay, because I want the authentic ref pro experience. If I, if I were going to go, and a, ref, a ref must get battered. And yeah. Then, oh, we're, we're Quilder knocking about. No, we weren't there. Of course it, he weren't. Was, he didn't show his face up north, there he? <laughs> where, where I'd have confronted him. And I went, oi, Walcott, here. And I'd have battered him. Because refs get battered. And he's a, and he's a referee, ex-referee. <laughs> anyway. He's relaunched his podcast. We um, told Andy Boy Simmons. Yeah. No mention of the referee battery at all on the podcast. But I'm calling him out on it again. Tweet that to him, Quilden. Yeah. Uh, tweet Andy Quilden when you're doing an episode on the Josh Bodum situation. Yeah. I was really tempted the other week where he posted something about it's really hard to get my kid in school in his school clothes. And I really wanted to respond with, how is Josh doing, by the way? <laughs> well, <laughs> but... it should be like, send, send Josh round and he'll kick 10 pills of shit out of him. It, he'll put him in his uniform. He'll put him in a coma in his uniform. 
Oh dear, we've just spent how long ripping Andy Quilden? He weren't there, it's fine. Um, I don't know what'd be funny, right? He, he let a ref get battered and then defended other bloke, so like, I, I've got no issue with ripping into Andy Quilden. <laughs> I've, en- I've I enjoyed the Rev Pro shows I've been to, and um, I don't know if he had a hand in promoting the um, Copper, Box, Copper Box New Japan show, but I enjoyed that as well, but I could still be like annoyed for his actions outside that. Yeah. So anyway, the show uh, opened with a Southside World Heavyweight Championship match. World Heavyweight So what they're doing is the Southside titles are still active at the moment, but as it becomes available, they'll be unifying each titles. Do, do the Southside titles um, have lineage to NBW? Uh, no, because it, it, it was always an offshoot. And so it was called NBW Southside, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, but it didn't have the NBW title oh. there. Uh, that's all. The MBW title was still running the last I heard, but it's just that they don't promote the shows. Okay. Uh, it's now what DBW was, I think. Okay. Um. So, yeah, the show opened up with uh, Shaw Samuels coming out with Lord Gideon Gray, and Lord Gideon Gray said, um, we've changed the title match, and because my guy only wrestles in a singles match, Darius Lockhart can go wrestle Robbie X or something. There's a reason for that. Um. So we got... Sean Custom defended against Shaw Samuels. Decent little match. Uh, Sean Custom retains the title. I really thought Shaw Samuels was going to win the title because it seems like they've already switched the tag titles off of the team whose name I don't remember to um, Starlight Express or Moonlight Express. Moonlight Express, that's it. Which is Mike Bailey and Mal. Um, so they want to switch it off because whoever's the champion when it comes to it will be going against Zack Sabre Jr. So you think they'd want one of their own guys on it, but who knows. Uh, next up was Dan Maloney versus Brady Phillips. It was a non-title match, which kind of told you Brady Phillips wasn't losing his European title just yet. Uh, Dan Maloney got the win here. Really hard-hitting, fun match. Next up, it was supposed to be Robbie X versus Chris Brooks. Chris Brooks was not there. No explanation was given. So it's definitely a Southside show because that's a Southside thing to do of just not <laughs> announcing when a tel- when you've announced a match, when it was your first match announced and you just don't bother saying anything about where someone's gone. Um, so yeah, Robbie X versus Darius Lockhart. Really, really great match. Robbie's Robbie's really good. Like he's, He seems to have got a bit bigger as well. Like He's been working out even more, but he's still got all his high flying and stuff in... He's just so crisp with everything he does. And then Darius Lockhart's a really great talent who I don't understand why isn't in more places. Um, he's really good. Uh, next, the last match on the first half, another indication that um, it was a Southside show that you got a really overloaded first half was Kyle Fletcher versus Shota Umino. Shota Umino is the young lion. He's just gone out on excursion. This was his first excursion match. Is he uh, Dean Ambrose's mate? Yeah. Okay. Sh- Shooter. His video even says shooter and everything, and he comes out with a jacket that says shooter on it. Uh, he's got cool... So you, know, so you know he's legit. Yeah, he's got cool ring gear. He's got white... Wait. Wrestler fashions. He's got a white leather jacket and then white trousers with, like, gold and pink inlay on them. It looks really nice. I was a really big fan of his ring gear. And he hits hard, and Kyle Fletcher's a perfect first opponent for him. They had a really, really great match. And it's kind of weird, because Shota Rumino's kind of been tipped as the next Okada... To be that next guy who comes in as like the big baby face, like shoot up the card type. I know technically Jay White was the next Okada, but I guess 
it's more accurate to say he's an ex Okada in terms that he's a Japanese national and all that stuff. Um, but yeah, really, really great match. Kyle Fletcher picking the win there. Next up was Shanna versus Madison Miles. So Ooh. Shanna has been on AEW the last two weeks. So what do you do? You have a cut a heel promo at the beginning of the match, don't you? Uh, I wouldn't say a job or hour. <laughs> no, no. But Madison Miles has just beaten loads of other women on the afternoon show and won the Queen of the Ring. Okay. So what do you do? Oh, job her out. You job her out. It were a squash. Like, a complete squash. Shanna just beat her up and pinned her. Like, I'm like, what's the point? Like, I I understand there was a few bits to do with, like, she was a late replacement into the tournament and stuff. It was supposed to be Kanji. But then they just have her sent out there and she just gets beaten really easy with hardly any fight. And it's like, most of this crowd has just seen her win a tournament that's like an annual kind of big deal tournament. And she comes out here and just gets beat by someone who went in it. I mean, it's a big deal for 100 people in Sheffield, isn't it? With yeah. even 100 people there. Just under, probably. Yeah. Uh, next up, we got Ricky Knight Jr. The Knights showed up to their booking this week. Uh, what? <laughs> <laughs> uh, the Knights are quite bad for um, no show it, like not showing up to booking sometimes. I'm not going to pass negative comment on the Knights. Go for our archive to hear Daryl's previous comments on the nights. Pick any episode. That was somebody else. <laughs> Pick that, any episode you that, want. That 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 guy that said that's got a Mexican accent. That's not me. <laughs> but um, it, my first time seeing Ricky Knight Junior. He's really good. It's not surprising really with his family lineage, but he's different enough from the rest of the family. Like that sounded weird. He's got a different enough move set compared to the, the rest of the family, so he stands out from them while still having a lot of the positives that comes from being the grandson of Ricky Knight and the son of um, Zebra Kid. Um, yeah, really good. He was against Carlos Romo, who was always brilliant. Uh, another really good match. The main event was The Legion, which was Rampage Brown, or Ramage as we call him in Southside, and the Great O'Khan versus Dan He's... McGee and Curtis Chapman. Great O'Khan's resurfaced. Yeah. Does he still have his cool gimmick? Yeah, he's, he's slightly changed up. He's got long hair now. Okay. And... Wasn't he bald? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, his hair's coming. But it's not like he's had plugs or anything. It's just like it's grown to the point that it covers it. It's but without it being a comb over. Okay. So it was great, and also he's got in better shape as well. And okay. he started for like when when is he going back over to Japan? I'm not sure, but he, he looked a lot better in this match. Like, is you can tell he's finessed the gimmick a lot now. But um, yeah, um, it was them against Dan McGee and Curtis Chapman. I'll point out the crowd were a bit dead through a lot of this show. And it probably doesn't help for in this match. Most of this crowd are the regulars who go to Sheffield wrestling shows. Um, and not the type of ones who go to shows all over the place. So you've got a main event here for tag titles where only one person in this entire match has wrestled in that venue before. Is that Ramage? Yeah, Ramage. And that were only in May. So he's had one match there. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh yeah, it is Rampage Brown and Great O'Khan versus Dan McGee and Curtis Chapman. Curtis Chapman is hilarious. Um, he's supposed to be a babyface in Rev Pro, but he's the most obnoxious babyface. It's it's that thing though where he is on the line of he's so obnoxious, he's quite fun to watch. Okay. So he kind of works as a babyface, but he's not supposed to work. Yeah, it's a weird circular thing. Anyway, they retained the tag titles, the Legion, and it was a good show. It was finished by nine o'clock. It started at seven or just after seven. So you got seven matches in less than two hours, including an intermission. Did any of it feel rushed? 
yeah, pretty much the entire show. It oh, was okay. like there wasn't a match that went like I think the show Rumino Kyle Fletcher match got a bit of time, but every other match was quite short. And they did the same thing on the afternoon show as well. It was done in like an hour and a half. And that was a full tournament and an extra match. Uh, question for you about the presentation of the show. Yeah. Uh, was it a Rev Pro ring? Um, it had the Rev Pro buckles on it, but it wasn't the Rev Pro ring. Oh, well, we, because what I meant was did it have like the, re, the, like the Rev Pro signage, was it? Yeah. Yeah, it wasn't like... And a... also, instead of the projectors with the actual projectors being sat out in the crowd, so whenever anyone gets up to the loo, the screens get blocked. Um, it was LED screens. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Which is a nice production upgrade. They look a lot better than the so old school projector screens. Ben Old's still running this venue with him, isn't he? Is yeah. That, yeah. So it's essentially Quilden sends him some wrestlers and he just promotes the show. That's, yeah. Yeah. Cool. Apparently, they even put a poster up outside at venue this time. We saw one. <laughs> I'm not saying I go into town often, but like. I, I can't remember ever seeing a, si- a poster for any pre- previous Southside show. I remember one particularly because it was just after it was, I think it was around when I'd moved here and it was the previous show. There was posters in Hillsborough uh, for the show that had Christopher Daniels and Frankie Gazarian on at the corporation. And uh, that was when uh, my friend Aiden used to do the poster in for him because he'd go all over Sheffield. Yeah, they probably don't have somebody local anymore, do they? No. It was a fun show. Um, depending on the cards, I'll go back. It's local. It's not. It's easy for me to get to. For me, they've got they've got to have someone that I want to see. Well, it was when they announced Shot Room. I was probably going to go anyway, just to see what it was like. But when they announced Shot Room versus Kyle Fletcher, I was like, okay, I get to see possibly the next Okada's first excursion match. So his first match with an actual gimmick, rather than just being a young lion. In a small club in Sheffield. It would be quite cool when he's headlined Tokyo Dome. If he headlines Tokyo Dome. You can see that he's got that potential there from like just his appearances as a young lion. Yeah, stuff. but like, Okada, he were doing some stupid gimmick in TNA and you, you you wouldn't have said to him, oh yeah, we think, think you can headline Tokyo Dome, would you? So I wasn't watching New Japan at the time, but I do know from going back that he was considered really good as a young lion and it was that if it wasn't for that period, then it did like his excursion was just kind of like a typical thing, and then he came back, and they instantly put him in a new gimmick. But they're a bit smarter about their excursions now as well. Like, look at Jay White; like, he his went really well. Okay, so do you want to talk about stupid stuff that happened on Raw? Not really. Well, you, you brought to ask me a question. Well, uh, yeah. Um, so Raw was taped. Raw and SmackDown were both taped this week. So well, SmackDown, SmackDown were taped first, weren't it? Yeah, they did SmackDown and Raw both on the same day in Manchester last Friday. Um, so SmackDown was on like a few hours delay, and Raw was on a few days delay. So uh, the big things to talk about, I think, is the UK talent that we used on the shows. Imper- well, the UK-based talent, uh, Imperium came up on Raw and Walter went against Seth Rollins finishing a DQ that led to an eight-man tag match where it was Imperium versus D- WWE Superstar Walter yeah WWE Superstar Walter couldn't beat Seth Rollins yeah Um. also Mark Andrews and Flash Morgan Webster were on Raw as well in a losing effort I can't remember who they were against either so much attention but the big one to talk about is they did another Lana Rusev Lashley angle so all weekend they've been hyping up 
Lana's got a massive announcement to make on Raw. Now, if you're anyone who cares, you'll have looked at the spoilers. But, so Lana comes out on Raw and says, so, you know, I've been having a lot of sex with Lashley. That's <laughs> pretty much what she said. Like, uh, I'm, I'm not paraphrasing too much from, I've been having a lot of sex with Lashley. It, we started dating seven weeks ago. Uh, I cheated on Rusev because he cheated on me, apparently. Like, that's what she said. But then she goes, she found out that she's nine weeks pregnant, which means she's got a little 15-pound baby Rusev in her. Now, just first thing, Xavier Woods pointed this out, saying, I feel bad for Lana, saying she's got a 15-pound baby inside her. Um, I've seen a seven-pound baby being born, and it weren't pretty. She has not got hips for a 15-pound baby. <laughs> Xavier Woods is there like (laughs) studying this stuff because he's got no better to do at home at the moment bless him Um, so Rusev comes out and he's like well I'm going to do the honourable thing and I'm going to be a father and then Lasher comes out and attacks him and Lana just says off the cuff kind of something like "Ah, I can't believe you thought I was pregnant and it's just these really terrible segments is she pregnant or not? no she's not apparently so did Rusev cheat on her or not? That was treated as a bigger throwaway line than anything. It's like, yeah, Rusev cheated on me. Cause it, there's this whole thing about him being a sex addict. And it's just a bit too much like... The thing is, I don't actually have an issue with doing sort of like relationship storylines. But I just feel this one's too... Trying to be too complex for its own good. Yeah. There's also the thing as well that it's it's the awkwardness knowing from history... When it involves an actual couple, it never works out well for them. Yeah, there's that, but me, I can separate myself from that. Like, I, I, I whatever. And like, it just feels a bit exploitative and stuff, and it's just like Lana's just a desirable sex object between two blokes. That's kind of what it is, and yeah, it's just it just bugs me. I mean, what? I suppose it's if it's standing out from what Raw usually is, that's kind of a good thing. That's a positive spin I can put on it. The fact that it's not the usual dross that's on Raw is a positive. It's its own kind of dross. <laughs> do you think that this is... Le- legitimately, do you think this is a replacement for the Mike Kanellis angle? I don't know if it's a replacement. I just think it's kind of like... Because... It's like a reboot. <laughs> well, but, but what I'm, what This I'm is Rob is... Zombie's Halloween... <laughs> What I was saying is, like, Maria obviously announced that she was she got pregnant, um, and that she she obviously she can't really be going on ro- on the road and stuff like that because she wouldn't have, like have any health issues with the baby that kind of thing. So, for me, th- 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 that was already a cuckold angle that was happening. Yep. Um. So, I could envision Lashley with Maria carried on that angle. Joey, she didn't get pregnant. Mm. But do you think that Vince had all these mental ideas? actually, I've just thought on, because Maria said at one point that Rusev was the father, but then turned around and said he wasn't. I wonder if that's the thing of Lana thinking that Rusev cheated on her. Uh, Don't give him credit. That's too much credit for their own good. I'm just thinking Vince has has got these crazy angles in his head that he wants to play out, and because Maria's had to to go off, he's gone, right, well, we'll just do it with somebody else. Because we do know Vince McMahon in his head is Lashley. Of course he is. <laughs> Lashley is Vince's avatar in real life. <laughs> he sees himself as a muscle-bound black man. <laughs> oh, Yeah, it's just... It's not for me. 
No. That's the fairest thing I can say. Because I really like Rusev. And I don't want to see him in crap angles. I want to see him crushing people and that. Rather than standing there in an awkward sweater. Um, Somebody else that must feel a bit awkward at work this week is Sinkara. <laughs> How dare they not acknowledge Sinkara's request? <laughs> Sinkara has asked for his release. Yeah. Why don't you just walk in and punch Vince? He's got previous. <laughs> like, he's the hardest man in the world. We know this. Yeah. Like, I think Sin Cara would take Brock. Uh, it'd be close uh, How many times has Brock Lesnar been beat in fights? At least twice. How many times has Sin Cara been beat in fights? Never. Never happens. I was... Oh, no, he hasn't. I was going to say Brock's avenged all of his losses, but he just needs to bring over him in and then... Yeah. Just just bring over him in and then he's avenged all his losses. Just like, over him. Do you want to come to WB? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, we've got no drug testing for part-timers. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Horse meat, blah, blah, blah. Yeah, so Sin Cara requested his release this week, last week, something like this that. This week, yeah. yeah. Um, he's been unhappy for a while. It's hard to tell, really, because he's got that mask that covers everything. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but obviously, he, as we're well aware, he's not the first sin- in- incarnation of Sin Cara. So, Sin Cara Mark II. Yeah. So, I mean, the the awkward bit about this is, is he got a tattoo. <laughs> but in th- what they could do is just... Uh, hey, Umberto Corello, make come some, here. Make somebody wear a bodysuit. I mean, Mental Vince would be like, get a tattoo, but make somebody wear a bodysuit. You can get those tattoos now that only last two weeks. They keep coming up on my Facebook efforts. Just buy a bunch of them and just every week, just put a new one on top I of mean, it. I mean, you could do that, but I just think for ease of life, yeah. um, you just get a bodysuit and act like nothing ever happened. <laughs> That's what they did with the original Sin Cara. Yeah. That, that, yeah, they did the angle when he was still employed with, uh, the, the, ironically, the current Sin Cara was playing imposter Sin Cara. I, th- I think it was, yeah. it was uh, Sin Cara Negro and Sin Cara uh, Azul, wasn't it? Because that's, that's, the sp- that's the Spanish for black and blue. I'm not sure. Yeah, I think it is. I know Negro is black. Yeah, and I'm sure Azul is blue. A-Z-U-L. I'm sure yeah. it is. Sounds right. Yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm... I'm, I'm I'm fairly confident of that. I'm, 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 this is Daryl going. I'm fairly confident, and then there's going to be people tapping away on the on the fucking phones, going, well, "No, actually, it's it's not pronounced like that. You see, it's wrong. I don't give a shit, right? It, it, it whatever it were." Do you want to uh, solve this argument right now? I mean, you could just Google it, but I'm, uh, there's, there's no funny life. Go- I'm there's no funny life if you just Google everything, is there? I'm gonna Google it. Just live your life. I don't want to live my life. So now we've got to stop and fill until you get on Google Translate. And I've got to find. It out. I've got to find Spanish. Well, we're talking about blue things anyway. Did you see that uh, Sonic trailer? I haven't seen it yet. Oh, well, uh, Graham uh, linked it to us and, and wanted to say that it were a false flag, uh, the original one. And I, f- I fully agree with him because uh, I, f- I actually believe that they put out a shit trailer so people talked about the film to get hype up for it. Cause the, and I'll tell you more about the conspiracy. The original trailer said, come in November. It got a lot of backlash. And then they're like, oh, we're going to re-edit it and redo it. What what drops in November? The trailer for the for the actual film, which is like released in March or something. Yeah. <laughs> Go on then. What? Nope. I don't know if you heard that on the mic. Azul. I was right then. It's calling you an arsehole, apparently. Yeah. Azul. Yeah, yeah, but I was right. So, what was I saying? Oh, yeah, so obviously, like, they, they've already they run that angle. 
then original Sin Cara made him unmask, I think, and then he was Hunico riding on a bike with um one of the uh Gorillas of Destiny. Yeah, he was, yeah, yeah with uh Tangaloa. Yeah. And the... That's how you pronounce it. Okay. <laughs> Cheers, mate. Thanks. <laughs> and then uh original Sin Cara got uh, he broke his finger, didn't he? And then Alberto Del Rio battered him or something. And then do you remember that? No. Oh, so on Raw, uh, Alberto Del Rio and Sin Cara were having a match. I think Sin Cara did a dive through the ropes and dislocated his finger. Uh, and he was asking the referee to stop the match. The referee stopped the match. <laughs> Del Rio rolled him back into the ring and beat shit out of him. <laughs> <laughs> so he, he quit or got fired or left or whatever. But they, the, WWE owned the rights to Sin Cara. And, but ironically, original Sin Cara doesn't even own the rights to his original name, Mystico. So now I think he's wrestling as someone like Mr. C's... Yeah, some something something some long convoluted name. Uh, so <laughs> yeah, L zero M zero. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So realistically, they can get somebody else to play it. Yeah, they could do. Uh, apparently, they're not going to release him. <laughs> they're just going to send him home. Yeah, they're not releasing anybody though, are they? No, he's still got three years on his deal apparently. But I don't know why they're not releasing people. Because you know, you might say, well, they might go to New Japan, they might go to AEW. Yeah, they might, but one. This is a man who, for at least the past four years, I want to say, no one's seen his face. They can't... He, he can't wrestle as Sin Cara. So he's got no name value, no rec- recognisable value, because even if he does decide to wrestle under a mask, it's going to be a different mask. So... I mean, he's not going to go to AEW. They've already got a masked wrestler who gets into fist fights. <laughs> <laughs> I gave you a segue! Yeah, but but <laughs> but he's... Yeah... <laughs> <laughs> but what right so we'll 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 link to that but i, I just want to say jimmy avick got choked out by excalibur <laughs> at tony Schiavone's birthday party in front of, <laughs> in front of tony khan <laughs> so they're all at jimmy's seafood yeah. is it and uh jimmy avick had a few to drink i know shocking right and he got a bit belligerent and got into an argument with excalibur and threw a punch at him and missed and that angered him so he tried to throw a few more punches so excalibur choked him out he wakes up goes for him again and gets dragged out by Atlas Security. That's a bit you missed out from your story. I'm, it was Atlas Security, apparently. I, I didn't even know that bit. I, I, read, yeah. the, I read the headline and then so, I, didn't even, I didn't read any more. Uh, do, do you want to anymore. read the full thing out again and add in the part? <laughs> Jimmy Havoc got choked out by Excalibur at Tony Schiavone's birthday party in front of Tony Khan and then got dragged out by Atlas Security. That sounds like fan fiction of the highest order, doesn't it? <laughs> no, we've done fan fiction before. We never released it. <laughs> Oh, I, I wish I could. I, I still had the audio. I've probably still got the audio of it somewhere, but it's cut off at some point. We've just Graham just going. We can ne- We can't release this. We can't. We just can't. <laughs> 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 oh, the beauty of I put it on the end of this episode. Can you imagine? No, no. no what he's doing is he's skipping to the end now to make sure you've not put it in. <laughs> I'm Wade Barrett, and I love you, Ryback. <laughs> <laughs> I've got some bad news for you. I'm a top. <laughs> this isn't far off from what actually happened. It was disgusting and beautiful at the same time. Talking of disgusting and beautiful, do you, do you want to talk about Full Gear? Yeah. Um, oh, We could have done a segue earlier when we were talking about over him saying, talking about people on Full Gear. Full <laughs> Gear with this weekend. Full Gear Michael Oku. <laughs> Because he, cause he's uh, on the junk. On the juice. Not on the junk. I think junk's a bit different. Yeah, junk I, is a bit different. Yeah. 
Um, so full gear. Usually I don't talk about pre-shows, but um, I'm not bothered about talking about the match. But you're a fucking dentist. <laughs> that's the thing. That's the only thing I saw in the pre-show. Uh, just this gift going around continuously about the harshest um, insult ever. Of B Priestley talking about Britt Baker just saying, you're a fucking dentist. Well, uh, I'll be honest. I wasn't watching the pre-show, but somebody gift um, the Awesome Kong bit at the end. Oh, awesome Kong kicking off, kicking off, uh, cutting off some of B Priestley's hair and sniffing it. Yes. Um, yeah. It's a bit fan fiction isn't it? It is a bit, but also wrestler fashions. Um, she, awesome Kong's got some new gear. I don't know if you noticed, she's already got locks of hair on the gear. So I hope she's taking trophies and attaching them to her gear, which I hope eventually, after they've built it up, leads to a hair versus hair match. <laughs> she could go, well, actually, no, it'd be pointless to going against Jazz. Can remember Jazz? Yeah. She wrestled for Eve this weekend. Okay. She's bald. Okay. Completely bald now. Who was Jazz married to? Rodney Mack? Yeah. Whatever happened to him? I don't know. Oh. But I've always been a Mac militant. Yeah? Yeah. I love Rod- Rodney Mack. <laughs> Like, do you know? Do you ever wonder? I, I sometimes lie awake at night thinking of things like this. Like, what happened to them kind of wrestlers? You know, like ones that they've got released by WWE and then they just disappear. Yeah. So, like uh, Tyler Rex, I think about him quite a lot. The Gemini. <laughs> um, there are others, but yeah, I th- the other Basham because one of them did come yeah. to the UK, but the other one, no idea. You know that Shelton ben- Benjamin's like come back, mm. and I know Charlie Haas had that running Ring of Honor with Benjamin for a bit. I do wonder what's Charlie Haas doing now. He's retired, I think. Yeah, but then what's he doing? Surely he didn't make enough money to retire. He's just hanging around with Jackie Ga- Gager. Yeah, and what's Jackie Gader doing? Jackie Gader, that's yeah. his name. Uh, she's telling Charlie, "Be careful! Don't knock her off the a- don't <laughs> knock her off the side." <laughs> just every time he walks by kitchen <laughs> counter, don't knock her off. <laughs> Watch that cup. Do you remember Joy Giovanni as well? Whatever happened to her? <laughs> She's still washing out her handbag. <laughs> <laughs> but there's all these people that just come and go, and you, like, I just I do worry about them. Like Maven, for the longest time, I worried about him, but he resurfaced recently, and I think he's all right. Same with Mohammed Hassan, I was quite yeah. worried about him, and he resurfaced recently as well. Because I, I, I worry sometimes there's going to be a Perry Saturn situation. <laughs> Lots of heroin and homelessness. If anything, they can get a job at Target. Shane Douglas can put in a word for him. Yeah, yeah. It is weird, like, the amount of people, like... I I, I don't think about these people as much as you do. And how did... How is uh, Zack Ryder not one of these people? Uh, he's he's clearly got um, all the uh, management's numbers blocked, so he can't, he can't get <laughs> receive a phone call that tells him he's released. <laughs> and he just he just hides at the arena when he, when he, when he is booked. <laughs> Uh, so, yes, that's all I want to talk about from the pre-show, unless you really want to talk about the match. No, I didn't, no. Wa- I didn't watch it. Cool. Uh, so, the main show kicks off with Proud and Powerful defeating the Young Bucks. I really, really enjoyed this match for many, many a reason. Give me some reasons. So, I love uh, the former LAX, now Proud and Powerful. I genuinely think they're the best tag team in the world. I think just think everything they do is brilliant. Just how... like There was a few moments in this match that was really great. One of them was when... Uh, I think it was Nick spat um, his chewing gum in Santana's face and Santana just picked it up and chewed on it, which was kind of like a badass gross moment. Yeah. Um, 
just everything they do looks so good and smooth. But then in the, the ring with the young bucks who have got their move set down to a T, like everything just looks great. Uh, the sell job of the leg all the way through. Oh, so the other big thing I liked what Proud and Powerful did. Uh, so Nick's hurt his shin from trying to kick um, Santana, I think it was, and accidentally booting the ring post and hurting his shin really badly. So later on in the match, um, Nick's on the apron, like waiting to tag in, and Proud and Powerful are beating the hell out of Matt, and then they f- uh, throw him into the corner to let him tag out because they know Nick's hurt, and they know Nick's hurt has like got a bigger injury they can take advantage of. I really like that little bit of psychology to it, of kind of like we'll force you to get in this ring with us injured, and we'll finish you off type of thing. I really like that. Yeah, and they they were also selling like quite like quite well as well because yeah. they um. They set one of them, one of the proud and powerful members up for a Meltzer driver. Yeah, and uh, Nick went to a springboard and he like slipped because of his leg. Yeah. so I quite like that. After the match is the bigger point <laughs> that we should definitely talk about. Go on. So Sammy Guevara comes down live blogging, uh, being obnoxious shit. Um, so he comes down to the ring and the Rock and Roll Express end up getting in the ring, and. <laughs> Ricky Morton hits a Canadian destroyer on one of her, on one of Proud and Powerful. Oh, so I got I saw this happen at WrestleMania, and it was awesome then, and it was awesome here too. Like Rock and Roll Express are awesome. Like getting to see them have that little moment where they were, like stood tall in the ring after all this chaos, and we got to see <laughs> oldest as hell still got his eighties mullet. Ricky Morton hit a Canadian destroyer. I think Robert Gibson would still have his mullet as well, but uh, male pattern baldness has uh, got to him. <laughs> uh, next match was Adam Page defeating Pac. This was a really good match as well. Um, it's the best match Pac's had in AEW, I think. Um, the best match Hangman's had, even. Sorry. Did I say Hangman first time? No, you said, you said Pac, so I was about I meant to hangman. say I, I, I meant disagree. Hangman, sorry. But yeah. Yeah. It's the best match Hangman's had. Um, I thought this was a really great match. Uh, Pack played his part really well. Um, it was, I think AEW's already kind of got the formula down really well of having someone win without the other one necessarily losing. In terms of like they still come out as strong as they were previous, where that this was a match that genuinely, whichever way it went, the other one didn't look bad for it. Um, it was very, it was fifty fifty all the way through. Like one person would be in control and the other one would be in control. And it seemed to be a complete 50-50 match where it was just that little bit extra that Hangman had on this night, whereas any other night it could be Pac that had the little bit extra. So I really liked that like intertwining thing between them. Yeah, I like this as well. I think um, I think Adam Page needs rebuilding uh, since his failed um, title opportunity. Yep. So I think getting a win over Pac, who's an established um, name from another company, is... Um, is good. Pack's first loss as well, isn't it? Uh, I don't yeah, remember to be honest. But yeah. uh, next match was um, Sean Spears with Tully Blanchard defeating Joey Janella. So minus points for the ch- like the chairman thing. I still don't really like the chairman as a gimmick because well, there's a few reasons behind it. First off, you've got wrestlers in the company who were main eventing shows who were executive vice presidents already so it kind of just adds an extra bit of like do, you, do we need to add that extra bit second bit is la parker la parker is the chairman 
he's not La Parker. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm confused why I'm confused why you're annoyed about the first bit because obviously just, obviously he's not a chairman. He's, yeah, he's I know, the but chair thing. it just seems like I don't know. All uh, right, if you take that away from him, what is yeah. it? He's Ty Dillinger with one at four horsemen, isn't he? <laughs> which is enough because I love Tully. A positive though was the shirt he was wearing. Okay. Which was a nice dig of no more garbage wrestling, but it was in the font and style of the GCW logo. I quite like that little touch, uh, especially when he's going up against Joey Janela. And considering what the main event of this show was, it's even funnier. Well, yeah, they they did uh, mention that on commentary though. That... Yeah, Excalibur brought it up. Yeah, it the toughest guy in AEW. Excalibur said. <laughs> um, yeah, that's a reference to Joey Janela's former home promotion, GCW. Yeah, so I liked uh, the Spike Pile Driver in this match, mate. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, Sean Spears sets Joey Janela up for a pile driver on the outside. The ref is distracted for some reason, but I can't remember why. It Tully? No, because Tully jumps off oh, the yeah, Tully does steps. It, yeah. I, can't, I don't know why, I can't remember, but the referee's yeah. out of the picture, and uh, yeah, Tully jumps off the stairs and spikes <laughs> um, Joey Janela. Good old Tully. Yeah. I love Tully Blanchard. Like, I genuinely think he's... Apparently, he's an arsehole to work with, like, from rumours and stuff. But I guess that was back in the day when he was wrestling. Now, if he's just... And when he were coked up to the gills. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) We can say that because he got fired from WCW for for going into work stuffed up on coke and getting caught on a drug test. (laughs) That's what happened. He talks about it himself. That's why he's now a a God-fearing man. Um... He's turned his life around in God and all that, which fair enough, fair play to him. But um, yeah, I, I love Tully. He, he's he's probably one of the most underrated wrestlers in history. Post match, there was an interview with super bad Kip Sabian. Uh, Penelope Ford comes in yeah. and says, "Why would you want to be with a bad boy when you can be with a super bad boy?" Yeah. So I, I guess that sets up the next Joe Janelle's next feud. Yeah. Well, Even though Joe Janelle's commented on it. Oh, Someone on. asked him, saying, "Oh, is that your next feud?" And he said, "I'd rather be a pizza delivery guy again." Okay, okay. So, <laughs> uh, give me some backstory. Like, were, were they original? Were they in a, like in a shoot relationship? Yes. Are they not now? No. Okay, so maybe it's not the next but, feud then. But Kip Sabian and Penelope Ford are in a legit relationship now. And okay. The reason that this got made public is because Joey Janela, when because he was still partnered up with Penelope Ford at first. Uh, would just openly bring it up in interviews, say, oh, you don't want to talk about my match tomorrow. Let's talk about Kip Sabian. He's a handsome gentleman, isn't he? And making every awkward every interview as awkward as possible for everyone else involved while he's obviously having the best time. Just bringing up the fact his ex is now dating another roster member <laughs> to her face. Yeah, it puts her in an awkward situation, though, doesn't it? Yeah, it's a bit... I suppose it depends on circumstances. If, if, if like, they split amicably... And yeah, then... I think they did. Well, if they did, and then she's dating the roster member then it's a bit of a dick move on his part yeah it's like if, if if she cheated on him and he wants to like make a big deal out of it then i kind of understand that he's it, the matt hardy yeah yeah it, 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 it all depends on circumstances but yeah i guess it's probably not for best if the feud then because i did i did like the little because it, it weren't too insider but if you know you know yeah the, the bad super bad thing. well she was with um joe janela when AEW start like on the early show yeah well that stuff, that so. first uh with a Cracker Barrel match. Yeah. Was it a Cracker Barrel match? It was the biggest oh, Adam Page. Yeah. Yeah, she was with him for that. Yeah. But I, I, I think she was with him on the Double or Nothing show as well. Okay. Um, 
yeah, uh, again, another good match. This was probably the weakest match on the show, but it had a lot of cool stuff in it. Like also, uh, Sean Spears tying Joey Janelle's hair into the turnbuckle. Oh yeah, the uh, tag rope. Yeah, yeah, that was a really cool bit as well. That you don't see very often. Uh, next match was a triple threat match for the tag titles. SCU defeated Lucha Brothers and Private Party. I take it back. This was the weakest match on the card. And it was still good, but I felt this was the weakest match because it didn't have... Like, every other match had a nice flow and story aspect to it, whereas this one was three guys having a spot fest. Uh, three tag teams having a spot fest kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, I, 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 I kind of see your point there. Um, I didn't mind this match, but... I don't know. For, for me, Private Party aren't quite... that. I think Private Party, have, by all means, yeah, take the opportunity, but I think they've got this opportunity too early. Do you, do you know what I mean by that? Yeah, a little bit. Like, I, do, I don't think I don't think they're quite the finished article yet, and I think they've got you know, you know with that match they had with the Young Bucks where people are saying, "Oh, they're like the Young Bucks from ten years ago." Yeah, I see that, but I I feel like they I don't think they need ten years away from AEW like they do. Might not be here in ten years, but I feel like. The, I feel like SCU are so established and so, um, like, they're well-gelled as a team because they've yeah. been a team for such a long time. And then the and Lucha, Lucha Brothers. brothers are brothers. <laughs> um, uh, but also, they, they I don't know, they're, they're veterans as well, in, yeah. in a way. And a private party don't come across like that. And they, they come... I'm not saying they look lost, but they don't look as good as the other teams in the match. Yeah, see, I have gone back and watched a few bits from other AEW episodes now. And I saw the match there by the Young Bucks, and it was really good. Um, I think they are a decent team. I just think the thing with this one, I don't think it needed to be three teams. I, I get they wanted to focus on the tag team wrestling a bit more and everything, but it just felt a bit too... like spot. You could have just had SU versus the Lucha Brothers again, because the reason Scorpio Sky was in the tournament is because the Lucha Brothers injured Christopher Daniels. Yeah. So, Which I want to talk about now. Yeah. Question, question for you. So, if you were Christopher Daniels, so you got to imagine that, that you're bald, right? If you were Christopher Daniels, and you're two... So, me and Graham are going to be wrestling two people that dropped you on your head, but you're now fit and healthy. Are you going to... When me and Graham are warming up for match, you're like, lads, I've, I've got an outfit. I'm like, it's not that Jimmy Savile one, is it? No, no, it's a different one. And uh, <laughs> and you, you've, you've, got a, you've got a Pentagon outfit. I'm like, if you borrowed that off Jericho, like it's about three sizes too bigger than you. Uh, if it's Jericho's, it's six sizes too big. Yeah, actually, it's about my size. <laughs> it's fine. Yeah, but you're Christopher Daniels in, the, in okay. this one, mate. So it's a bit bit big for that, Chris. No, no, I've got I've got it specially made. Well, okay, cinched. Yeah, like what? What? Why are you wearing it? Uh, because he dropped me on my head. Y- yeah, why? Well, because I think after March he's going to come and get you. So then after March I'm going to turn all lights off and then I'm going to come down and. Well, Chris, can't you just be there anyway? Just have us back. No, no, I can't. You know what I'd have done if I were Christopher Daniels? Go on. I'd have got geared up like New Jack. I mean that with weapons, not anything else. What? Okay. Thing ACW, uh, and I'd have come down just two minutes into the match and just start paggering people with everything in my shopping cart because it's no DQ in a triple threat. Yeah, and you'd have let your music play throughout the whole thing, wouldn't you? As well. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and then you'd have the party dive. But I wouldn't have had some like cool gangster music. I'd have had a Sunno track. So it'd just be me beating people up to drone metal 
which would be fun. Okay. <laughs> slow Black Sabbath inspired drone metal <laughs> playing across an arena while I'm running around baggering people with, with bits of wet floor signs. You know, I could hit Pentagon with a wet floor sign and a bit of plastic could fly out and hit Phoenix. That's two for one. <laughs> Next match uh, was Riho defeating Emi Sakura. This the, match was for great. the women's championship. The women's division AEW is awesome. Like in terms of the Joshi girls, I've got an issue. Okay, so this match was built up on social media. By, yeah, this this by, is an issue. Yeah, by people, mainly Kenny Omega, but in general by people saying, "Oh, they've got thirteen years of history or whatever it is." Well, and all this stuff. If you watch AEW Dynamite week to week, which I have, I have what I've seen every episode. You don't get that. I mean, they tell you that they'll they tell you that Emi Sakura trained Riho, and they say that Riho has been wrestling since she was twelve, I think, or she headlined yeah. the Tokyo Dome, at, or not Tokyo Dome, uh, Korokan Hall at yeah. age twelve. Um, so they give you the, they give you a history like that, but on social media they were saying that how many times they've beat each other and and what it means and all this, and I only found out about mm-hmm. it today when I was like. Well, the match is on. I'm just going to go on social media and just see what people are saying about it. Because I'm just breaking kayfabe listeners that I've watched it the day we're recording. Um, you literally, like, I messaged you, said, what time are you coming over? You're like, I'm going to come over as soon as I've finished Moxley versus Omega. Yeah. So yeah. that's how he's, he's fresh off the boat with it. Yeah. Um, not fresh off the boat, mate. I'm not, I'm not an immigrant. Like, <laughs> you just said I'm fresh off the boat. You, you got what phrase I was going for. I was born and raised in the United Kingdom. <laughs> Are you getting a bit touchy because of... Uh... Because of my family heritage? Yeah, yeah. you racist. <laughs> anyway. Um, yeah, so uh, yeah, I just thought it was the, the build-up to this was poor. And and also, uh, Jim Ross's commentary when uh, Emi Sikora came out was brilliant. He went, Excalibur, I need to ask you again, what's with the moustache? So then Excalibur had to explain to him who I, Freddie, I've seen Freddie a Mercury compilation was. that... He's done this three times now, I think. Okay. He's asked the exact same question and Excalibur's had to explain it three times to him. To be fair, I guess that he's doing that to kind of establish to new yeah. new viewers why she's coming down dressed as Freddie Mercury, I guess. But I don't know who she is. I don't think my favourite Twitter accounts have posted pictures of her that I've liked. <laughs> <laughs> Twitter. At JR's barbecue, is it? J- at JRSBBQ. Yeah, go on that and just look at his likes. Yeah, we'll just leave it there for you. Yeah, just look at his likes. Yeah. Uh, have you finished talking about this match? Uh, no, um, yeah, this was... like You can tell they've wrestled the amount of times they have. Um, it was a really, really great match. Um, I think Rio's been fantastic in every match he's had. Uh, Emi Sakura's absolutely brilliant. And yeah, I can't say enough good things about this match. Cool. So there are two more matches left. Uh, we're going to go for a quick break and then we'll talk about the last two matches. He's going to win the Royal Rumble! Yeah, the British Bulldog! I've got a history in Royal Rumbles! And tonight, I'm going to remake history by winning this next Royal Rumble. Tonight, 
Welcome back. Hello. Hi. Do you want to talk about the rest of AEW, mate? Uh, go on then. Alright, so, um, last two matches, probably the two matches that were built up the most on the weekly shows and the deserved co-main events, I'd say. So, the first match uh, to talk about is uh, the AEW Heavyweight Championship match, which was the champion Chris Jericho with MMA superstar Jake Hager, undefeated, <laughs> undefeated MMA superstar. He got DQ'd. I thought it was no contest. Oh, it was no contest. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, still undefeated, still undisputed, mate. Uh, defeating uh, Cody, who was uh, cornered by MJF. MJF. So um, there were three judges ringside. Yeah. Um, there were Dean Malenko, Arn Anderson, and the great Muta, <laughs> who I have seen live. Facing oh, off with shut the fuck up. Justin Thunderliger, <laughs> <laughs> who had his last uh, North American match this weekend, this week. Yes, he did. Yeah, which we didn't talk about, but it was a new Japan I show. haven't seen the show. Me neither. Yeah. yeah. Um. So, yeah, so uh, that them judges were there for if if the match went the distance, they yeah. would um decide Same a winner. Way, yeah. I know that didn't happen. Mm-hmm. How do you feel about it if it if in the future if they, if they set that precedent that every and maybe they're not gonna maybe it's just for this match but if they say every heavyweight title match that it's a sixty minute time limit but like MMA or boxing if you go the distance the judges decide who wins how do you feel about that I think the only, I don't mind it but they've not really give the criteria of it yeah and I don't think the match played into the judges because Chris Jericho cheated a lot in it. And if you were, if you knew that if it went the distance, it it was going to be judged on stuff like that, you won't be cheating because that had obviously like you could dominate a match, but you've cheated through it. So judges go, well, you cheated, so you lose. I think they missed a trick, and instead of having maybe instead of having Arn, they had Tully there. Yeah, because Tully's an established heel in the company, and yeah, I know he's, I know, um, Ty Dillinger's not part of the inner circle, but. In wrestling law, if you say that all the heels are mates anyway, then you, I, I get why they didn't do it. I understand why they did it because it, it muddies the water between. Well, what does is Sean Spears part of this or not? And I get it, but I, I feel like they needed they needed someone to be a heel judge essentially. Yeah. So maybe Arn Anderson, maybe he should have I don't know thrown a four finger sign up and Jericho do the four finger sign to him <laughs> or do something that establishes establishes someone being a heel there that Jericho can be mates well, with. Well, it could have been Malenko because they well they've got a history, but they've I also mean, got mates in common. Yeah, but <laughs> all my friends are dead. <laughs> uh, they they played up to their history though. They they did have a little back yeah. back and forth argument, didn't they? Which I liked. Yeah. But again I, so the other side of it as well with the judging thing is I feel like the AEW crowd more than WWE crowd are conditioned to accept a sixty minute time limit draw because there'll be people who watch them in New Japan where New Japan have had, like Kenny Omega had a 60 minute draw and it was fantastic. It was one of the best matches of the modern era. I think their fans are probably, would be better conditioned towards a towards a time limit draw and it to be a draw and it not to get booed out the building. I would be so against a title change in wrestling yeah. by judge's decision. 
you remember back in day when TNA still had the NWA title and the, which is the ten pounds of gold, the most prestigious yeah. world heavyweight championship in the history of the business? Um, they had Abyss win the title by DQ, by DQ, yeah, because they'd long established that if the um, it wasn't just for that one night, it was no, it, if, it was always uh, yeah, yeah, a title could change via disqualification. Yeah, however, him winning it by DQ just made him seem like a paper champion which it yeah. was to be fair he was more a transitional champion but it it didn't set him up well f- for a future reign yeah now we're kind of criticizing something that's not happened yet but it's something i could foresee happening potentially in the future yeah so I, i'd rather a 12 minute a 20 minute a time limit draw happen than someone win the title by judge's decision yeah and i think there's i think omega and okada proved that there's a better story to tell by doing a time limit draw yeah. where the title doesn't change hands because it meant that Omega could say, "No, I took you the distance, and you couldn't beat me." Um, and then in their rematch, there was more of a sense of urgency. Yeah. Whereas if, say, if Cody and Jericho went the full hour, and then at the end of it, um, they all score it for Cody. Cody wins the bell, or they all score <laughs> it for Jericho. It's like, all right, Jericho's won, and there's, I don't know. I don't think this. I don't know. Like, it's yeah, not. It's... A, it's not a draw. Then is it? It's. It's a. It's a points victory. Yeah. Anyway, actually, we've had a time limit draw with Cody Rhodes previously. It was only a twenty-minute one, but we've had the draw, and everyone accepted it for what it was with him in um, Darby Allen. Yeah, and that was really good. Yeah. So, yeah, I don't understand it. I mean, it, did, it didn't go sixty minutes. I, yeah. I don't, I don't remember how long it went, but it, it was a longish match. But it wasn't like near the hour. I don't think. No. Um. So, but, can you remember how we always call Cody Free Star Cody? Yes. He might have had. As good a wrestling year for big matches as Kenny Omega did pre, um, with the matches aren't to the level of Omega Okada, but in terms of an overall year of wrestling, he's had a lot of really really great matches, and this was another one of them. I thought. Yeah, I enjoyed this. Yeah, I thought it was absolutely brilliant. Something we haven't talked about, which isn't like an amazing, like a mm. big thing, but I just want to briefly mention it because I think it needs to be mentioned. Is the entrance ramp led up to the ring, which I liked. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Proper old school WCW style. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. I did like the entrance ramp. And so uh, entrances. Um, when Cody came out of the ring, he's with MJF, and Cody's mum sat at ringside. Yeah, with some bloke. Don't know who he is. Stepdad, maybe I don't know. Um, but she's got a nightmare tracksuit, and it says "mum" on it, mm. or "mom" if you like. If you're you jealous because you want a nightmare tracksuit? No, I've got the, new, I've got a huge pan tracksuit. Yeah, mate, so. there might be one going. What? There might be a tracksuit going now. Oh yeah, but yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I just get MJF like unembroidered <laughs> off of it. I, I pick I, it I, off and yeah. just get a, a chalk marker, right, Daryl on it. Yeah. <laughs> or change my name. Yeah. Yeah. But and never tell you what MJF stands for. <laughs> so yeah, so the match starts and it's it's Jericho's as soon as the bell rings, Jericho gets out the ring, mm. um, and. The crowd are chanting at him, fuck your birthday, because it was Jericho's 49th birthday. <laughs> JR on coach says, the fans are chanting happy birthday. No, they're not, Jim. No, they're not. <laughs> oh, dear. Uh, so a big point in this match was Cody hitting a dive on Jericho on the ramp, was it? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, especially his eye connecting with the ramp. And he got that awful looking cut above his eye. Um, That was pretty gnarly. But it added to the match. Yeah, they kind of 
worked worked it into the into the um angle, didn't they? Yeah, the Jericho well and... Jericho's got previous on someone's eye getting injured and him going for it. So yeah. um it worked out really well in this match. Um I, I really liked every. I, I thought this match were absolutely fantastic. Um Cody's having such a great year this year. Every pay per view match he's had for AEW has been fantastic. It, like been genuine brilliance. Um but then I really, really liked the finish of this match. It takes two to tango, doesn't it? So we've got to give Jericho some credit. Yeah, this Jericho's really great in this match too. Um it's probably the this will be one of Jericho's best matches. Yeah. Probably his best match in AEW. Yeah, probably. Uh, I'm thinking about his other pay per view matches were what? Um uh, Hangman, Omega, um what did he have another one? I don't remember. And then of course in New Japan he had that match with Okada that was terrible. Um but yeah, Jericho held his end of the bargain up but uh, this this definitely felt like a Cody Rhodes match with how he's setting up his matches now and being that very like old school pacing of a match and a lot of so much story and everything intertwining into it. And I really, really enjoy it. Yeah, so um the the playing into Cody's like head injury that he's sustained and Jericho locks on the walls of Jericho slash Lion Tamer and starts stamping on his head. Oh, uh, yeah. J- Jake Hager gets thrown out yeah. um, before this. So Jake Hager, I-, I can't remember what he does. He gets involved with the match somehow. Uh, the referee, um, Aubrey... Girl, Girl Hebner, I yeah. can't remember her Aub- name. Aubrey uh, Edwards. Yeah, Aubrey Edwards. She throws Hager out, and I think MJF's sort of like laughing at him or something. So... Mm. Uh, Hager knees him at nuts like he did to that bloke in in, yeah. in fake fighting. Uh, so J- Jake Hager leaves. Um, so Jericho gets Cody in the uh, Jer- walls. Jericho as then starts stamping on his head, which has disgusted him. Yeah. All of a sudden, MJF's got a towel, right? <laughs> which fine, but I don't know where it came from. Uh, and he throws the towel in the ring. So there was a great thing which shows why I like MJF so much and why he obviously thinks a lot about his character. He was doing a StarCast interview on Friday and in it, he got asked about this match and he said, this is the biggest match of Cody's career, therefore it's the biggest match of my night, uh, biggest match of my career too. And it was a nice little bit of foreshadowing about what happened next of him kind of saying, this was my moment to strike. It was... Yeah. So... Because this is a turn that everyone's seen coming since the start. And I think it worked. Like, if anything, they could have dragged it out longer, and I think it would have carried on working because everyone's like, he's going to turn on you. He's obviously going to turn here at some point. So they could have dragged it out as long as they wanted, but I feel like this was a really good moment because Cody had added the stipulation that if he didn't win the title at full gear, he was never going to challenge for the title again. Um, That's something I want to talk to you about. Yeah. Right, so do you think that they will go back on that stipulation? Eventually, yeah. I think they've got to leave it a year at least. Yeah. It. If if on next AEW Dynamite they're like, well, you know, I didn't really lose because uh, he threw the towel in. I mm. I was never going to quit, so I'm having another title match. I think that negate. And, and I know wrestling storylines that people they, they go back on stipulations, and I've not got yeah. a problem with in the future Jericho saying, well, if you want a shot at my title, you've got to beat all my guys, and then mm. he has to run through them all. I've not no issue with that, but I feel like they can't just scrap that because yeah because they would just want to have another title match. Yeah. So after the match, MJF gets in and he's very apologetic and he's all, he's pretty much crying because Co- Cody's very pissed off, obviously, that 
he'd had a towel thrown in for him, even though he was in no condition to defend himself or anything. It was arguably, it was the right call for MJF to make. Um, and they set it up really nicely where it looked like Cody might do something to and like cause MJF to attack him. But instead, Cody eventually like gives him a little hug and stuff, and is like, "It's fine, I'm just pissed off," type of thing. And then MJF kicks him in the balls. Yeah, <laughs> and the crowd instantly turns nuclear, and it was brilliant. Well, walking down, but when he walks back down the entrance, uh, people oh, throw, get, throw stuff at he him. He gets paggered by that <laughs> pint. Yeah. It looks like a full pint hits yeah. him perfectly, and you see the guy like he's shouting, and he chucks it over. And MJF just stands there with this shit-eating grin on his look, on his face, and it's like. That was good. Like yeah. I, I, I really like MJF. That's, like, he's someone that's not afraid of getting heat. Yeah, he's. That's what makes him great. Like anyone, there's people who sometimes complain, thinking he goes too far with stuff. Whereas I'll say, you've wanted this type of heel for a long time. You people complain that the heels now, there'll be a bad guy on television, then they'll tweet something later and like, say, oh no, oh, no, I'm cool, kids. MJF's not that. If there, if there's any chance of a fan seeing him or seeing anything he says, he's an awful bastard the entire time. And I really like that and appreciate that with him. Even the lengths he goes in right, signing pictures to people saying, uh, hi, whore, MJF. <laughs> that was a picture that I got sent this weekend. So I said, it's a bit much in it. I, went, I just want to point out, MJF was charging four times the amount of anyone else at Starcast. Uh, Starcast. Really? Yeah, it like... Um, they put a thing up on their website for all the AEW meet and greets. And for MJF, they actually put on, we have to have him there because he's an AEW talent. And he insisted on the price point. It was like $200. Wow. And people <laughs> paid it. So there's no one who's going to be annoyed that he signed their picture. Haw, as, as distasteful as it might be to use something like that, they've paid $200 knowing what they're going to get. If they're paying $200, they know what he's about. Can you imagine if it's a little kid? <laughs> Well, there's that picture with the guy in the wheelchair as well, where he's just <laughs> flipping the bird and not even looking at him in this guy in a wheelchair's face. <laughs> like, I, I really appreciate the fact... Um, one of my friends gave me a story, actually, about he helped out at a show that MJF was on. And before the show, he said hello to him. MJF was cool with him and everything. Like, yeah, hi. At the end of the show, he he was getting ready to leave the show and he saw MJF, but it, there was still a few fans in the building. And he didn't think onto that. So he went up to MJF and put his hand out and said, nice to meet you, mate. See you later. And MJF just did full thing went, and what am I supposed to do with that hand? Get away from me, loser. Fuck off. And just walked off from him. And he was a bit like that. And then he realized there were still fans of the bill. He was like, you know what? I actually respect him for doing that. Like, yeah. <laughs> that's pretty good. Yeah. Like, he stays in gimmick 100% of the time. And we need a heel like that in the wrestling business. I don't think all heels should be like it. But for him, it... That's definite what do, makes him. Do you know which um, current WWE roster members training school MJF trained at? I do. Oh, okay, it's not a it, full yeah. quiz then, is it? It was Kurt Hawkins. <laughs> yeah. Because um, MJF did a did an interview on High Spots and they asked him about the origin of his name. And Kurt Hawkins was the one who insisted he couldn't wrestle under his real name, which is Mike, uh, for, uh, MJF. His, uh, his real name is... Uh, What's his first name? Well, Maxwell. Maxwell. Maxwell Jacob Friedman is his real name. And you can't wrestle under your real name. So he knew he wanted to keep the initials because the initials were cool. He needed a Jewish last name. So he goes, what about Feinstein? And Kurt Hawkins <laughs> looks at him and goes, yes, that's the one. <laughs> hey, <laughs> and Pat Buck's the other guy, isn't it? Hey, Pat, <laughs> he's picked a new last name. It's Feinstein. <laughs> they let him do it for six months before he, figured, before he found out who Rob Feinstein was. <laughs> 
<laughs> he tells that story on the on the thing. And that's when he switched back to uh, Friedman. J- Friedman. Yeah. Oh dear. <laughs> Apparently, he's a bit um, a bit aloof to stuff as well. He's not like quite. Always don't say he's stupid. He never says he's stupid, mm. but he's a bit like I don't. He, he, well, he describes him as being aloof, basically. And uh, Kurt Hawkins has got this um, mint on card ECW autographed collection. However, when he was going through his collection, he noticed the Jerry Lynn uh, card was a bit damaged. So, and he knew that MJF would be in an arena with uh, Jerry Lynn. It was an AEW show. Um, so Jerry Lynn's an agent, yeah. Yeah, so uh, he bought a brand new Geraldine box figure that the box was in pristine condition, and he said to M- MJF, "Look, I'm going to give you the pen. I want you to sign it with. Um, h- how I want him to sign it because he doesn't, he, he doesn't, he's not selling his stuff, but he don't like yeah. it when it says like too. Uh, what's his real name? Don't matter. His real name's yeah. not Kurt, but he, he don't like it too. Whatever. He just he just wants the autograph. Mm-hmm. He said, if you get him to sign it here on the thing, and he's like, yep, yeah, no problem. And he said, no, repeat to me what you said. So he made him <laughs> repeat it back. Fine." So he gets the autograph and he puts it straight back in his bag. And uh, (laughs) he said, there's a picture online somewhere, um, or maybe it's not anymore, I think he put it on his story, but there was a picture of it and the autograph, if you were looking for it, you could see it weren't as bad as it sounds, but it was ever so slightly (laughs) smudged, even though he specifically said to him, like, do not... um, Oh, you know the rule. Well, it's a phone call, so I'm not answering that. (laughs) Uh, So... uh, I've lost my train of thought. Oh, yeah, so he, he, he wasn't smudged that bad. But apparently, he left that in the arena. So they 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 got about half an hour away from the arena, whoever he was traveling with, and he was like, oh, no. So they had to go back to get... <laughs> luckily, it was still there, but th- they told Kurt Hawks that they left it there. <laughs> <laughs> of course you'd say that to him. Yeah. Yeah, MJF, I, I, I really... I like him in the fact that he's a proper heel. So... If you saw, if I saw him on a show, I, well, I did, I did see him on a show. You boo the hell out of him because he and, uh, deserves it. Ger- Jerry Lynn mugged him off as well. So Kurt Hawkins <laughs> texts Jerry Lynn just to let him know, look, can you sign this for me, please? Kind of think it's for me. Mm. Uh, but if you want to mess with MJ, do it. So uh, MJF rocks up at the arena. It's like, you know, my trainer wants you to si- sign this. So quite loudly, Jerry's, Jerry Lynn's like, oh, are you a big fan of me? And, and starts making, <laughs> making a big deal out of it. If you want a picture, we can have a picture as well and just starts proper mugging him off, which um, I quite liked. Jerry Lynn was on um, theater, Being the Elite last week. Uh, he was dressed up like Orange Cassidy. <laughs> they had Orange Cassidy and Jerry Lynn stood together both wearing the sunglasses, big leaguing, the best friends, which is hilarious. I still need to watch it. I've got it uh, to watch because the final episode they ever did is with Jerry Lynn, which was the entire show was they always ask questions about Jerry Lynn. Like one of the questions they ask everyone is, have you ever met Jerry Lynn? And is he the best person ever? <laughs> and if they say if they say anything's even going towards being negative about Jerry Lynn, they start abusing the person they're interviewing. <laughs> like, don't talk shit about Jerry Lynn. I will punch you right now. <laughs> So they finally got Jerry Lynn for an interview. <laughs> Final match, main yes. event. Yes. Well, it was the main event because it was a lights was out match. Lights out. I, I like the lights out gimmick. I really, I, I really like it. I, I think maybe they've overused it a bit this year because this is the third one. Yeah, because the first one was Moxley versus Janela. Second one was Janela versus Omega, and the third one, so you've got a triangle of matches. Yeah. Um. John Moxley defeating Kenny Omega yeah. in the Lights Out match. 
So I enjoyed this match. Okay. But I will put the caveat on. It got a bit Looney Tunes, didn't it? It were a bit, ooh, here's another toy. Here's another toy. Here's another toy. And it was a lot of, here's what next? And I feel like if they could have somehow cut this down by like 10 minutes, maybe, it would have still been a brilliant main event. I don't think they needed to do that barbed wire spiderweb spot. It, it, it was... I, I liked it, because I don't think I've ever... Like, I've, on a major wrestling company, you've not seen anything like that. No, but they could have saved that. Yeah, they could I'm not have saying I'm, I'm not saying I was against the spot in terms of the content of it. Yeah. I'm saying for the match, wasn't needed. They've got broken glass in the ring. Like that was that was my favorite bit of it. It was a callback to the coffee table, which, yeah, which I, they mentioned. I thought that bit was brilliant, where Kenny Omega pulls out the big black bag and it looks, oh, he's got thumbtacks, and and then he takes out a full piece of glass. Yeah. Oh, okay. And then he pulls it, he smashes it all up even more, and then pulls it in the ring, and then grabs Moxley and he's dragging him through it. Like, I really... Yeah, they put him in a sharpshooter and he had to crawl through it to get to the ropes. That was brilliant. It's, it's like that sore, isn't it? so good. Like, that That was... Just everything involving the glass. I, I know glass is an awkward thing for a lot of people where they're like, oh, it's a bit too much for me. The image of him crawling through broken glass to get so he could get out the sharpshooter was amazing. Like, that was the best bit of the match by far. Just anything involving the glass was just so visceral and great. I absolutely love that stuff. Yeah, for me... Bar by bar, yep. Yeah. Uh, bar by broomstick, yep. Yeah. That was silly, but brilliant in how yeah, they but, used yeah, it. Yeah, but they've been carrying them out. Yeah, for, because obviously he's the cleaner. So I get it. Yeah, fine. And the the way he did it, where he was mopping, he was like brushing his back with it. Yeah, it was really cool. And it, you could actually see cuts appearing because when he did the close up to the camera, I don't know if you realise this, how they'd wrapped them was quite fun. No. Well, so they'd wrapped it in barbed wire, but then they'd wrap clear wire around it. Okay. So there was like a protective barrier almost on it, but it would st- the barbs would still get through, but maybe not as bad as they could have done. So there was like the weapons were still gimmicked to an extent to not cause maximum injury. But like after that, John Moxley, I think it was that where John Moxley got that cut on the back of his head, and he was just bleeding down like, and the blood was just going like on either side of his neck for the rest of the show. Um, yeah, there was a lot of really cool stuff in this match. I just think yeah, I agree with that. Maybe there was some bits they could have saved. But the barbed wire bits made sense. The glass bit made sense after what happened at the last show. I don't think um, they needed to pull the ring up either. Yeah, it's... My, my I, thing is... Like, I saw... So, sorry, go on. Uh, it's just that I I don't mind a hardcore match. And I get that you don't want to do the old the old WWE one of just pulling stuff from under the ring and it's a bin, a kendo stick, just the generic stuff. I get they want to do a bit different. I know John Moxley um, from his previous deathmatch wrestling would yeah. want to do something violent and I, I and I probably assume Kenny Omega wants to show himself in a different light rather than just being like a, re- a wrestler's wrestler he, he also yeah. he wants to show his hardcore side fine but I just think that if you do everything in one match what do you do next time <laughs> for me if they'd have done all the broken glass if they'd have done the broomstick the barbed wire bat um, the broken glass and gone home, mm. and then if there's a rematch six months down the line, they're like, well, you know, you guys nearly killed each other last time. Um, again, it's another lights out match because we can't trust you. Um, barbed wire, spider web thing. 
you've you've got options there to do something different. Whereas the next time they have this lights out match, if it's not as brutal as this one, that people are gonna be like, "Well, where's going to the last time?" Like, what what could they do next? Light tubes? You want to see light tubes at AEW? You probably do. Yeah, I, I <laughs> thought there was a point where I thought it was pulling light tubes out. Like, yeah, I, I genuinely thought no. I've just thought on a summit, but I know that after the match, Tony Khan said that they're not going to have a hardcore match on the next pay per view. They're going to wait a little bit in time now. But uh, I don't disagree with anything you just said. Like they could have gone hurt. Like the glass could have been the big moment, and then just have one other thing. But the commentators kind of brought it up, and then I, I can't remember who it was who I heard say this part. But they were talking about how the story of the match was kind of these two are like. They really need to prove themselves against the other. So they're throwing everything they can out. So in that sense, it makes sense that they just continually go bigger and bigger and bigger. And also, I've just thought on now where you've said, like, like what did they do next? They might, like, the barbed wire stuff, like, starting off on just the weapons and then the webbing coming out. Can you imagine if they do no rope barbed wire on a major US pay-per-view? Oh... You'd like that, wouldn't you? I'd fucking love it. Is it going to take four hours to set up? <laughs> Security guards running away because they're cutting themselves because the barbs <laughs> are the most ridiculously long barbs you've ever seen on barbed wire. Uh, no, can you imagine if they did something like that? That'd be mental. Um, I don't think they will, no, but they no. They could have, like, uh, no, like, they could have just the ring ropes wrapped in barbed wire rather than it be no rope barbed wire. Yeah. But, um,. No, I, I did really like this match, and I like the extent of the stuff they did. I just felt it was a bit long. Another good point to mention about this match is Renee Young's commentary on it. Go on. Did you see Renee Young's comments on this match? She no. was live-tweeting parts of the match. Uh, <laughs> the comments were pretty much, what the fuck? I'm not enjoying this. <laughs> Why? <laughs> John's got some explaining to do when he gets home. <laughs> It was just comments like that all the way through. She's just like, oh, God, why? Just stuff like that all the way through it. It was brilliant. Like, he'd obviously just said, yeah, it's, uh, I'm not going to do it. stupid. Don't wor- don't worry, love. See you, see you later. And then he he takes, he does a suplex into barbed wire and gets dragged through broken glass and then crawls through broken glass like John McClane. And just, oh, it, I, I did enjoy a lot of this. Like, I, I enjoyed my garbage wrestling. Um. I, enjoy, I I like my deathmatch stuff, and this match was probably as close as we've gotten to a deathmatch ever on a major American show. So, I, I enjoyed it. It was maybe a bit long, a bit overindulgent at parts, but it was enjoyable. And, like, the, the glass bits especially were absolutely brilliantly done. So, it's another loss for Omega. Yes. Where do we go with Omega next? I think he's going crazy. I yeah. think he's just gonna go crazy, and I think we might end up with like him and I don't know. Like I don't see him turning on Young Bucks. I could see him maybe in Hangman Page. There's no value in him turning on the Young Bucks. He's got no one to team with. Yeah, and it's been done not long ago. What do you mean? Well, it was like last year when the Kenny Omega Young Bucks thing was happening. Yeah, but he didn't fully turn on them, did he? They had that big match and everything, and like in L.A. Yeah, but then like, they, they, they turned they, on him pretty much. Yeah, but then they were mates again, weren't they? Like, yeah. I, I just thought it was a little falling out that. But I don't, I don't see any value in the, him it, turning it, on. It was them. more Cody turning on them and him them siding with Cody rather than him being. Yeah, turning on. I, I, yeah, him and Hamman Page. If he's going to turn on the elite, because uh, what we neglected to mention was 
Hangman Page and the Young Bucks came out yeah. to try and tell him to stop or something. Well, on, so they explained it a bit more on Being the Elite as well, where they showed Kenny going up to the Rock and Roll Express thinking they were the Young Bucks and getting really confused when the Rock and Roll Express leave the room and then the Young Bucks walk straight back in. He's like, oh, you've lost some weight, man, Like to, to uh, Matt or Nate, whichever one it was, like really confused because he thinks the Rock and Roll Express are the Young Bucks. But then he, he says to him, when I give you the signal, bring out the thing. And then he says the same thing to Hangman and it was yeah. to tie that part of the story up, I guess. But the, yeah, they were saying, no, it's too much and they eventually did bring out the barbed wire like trampoline pretty much what it was. Um, it did look really cool though, how it was set up and everything. And just John Moxley getting up afterwards and the next thing he does is pick, oh yeah it was him who picked up the, one of the lights from the side as well and just smacked Omega over the head with it and broke it over his head yeah there was a lot of really cool stuff in this match I could see though it being the thing where because Hangman's there now he's, he's finally got one of his wins back so he's on an upward trajectory whereas Omega's still in his downward and he could take like see it as a slight if Hangman mentions it in front of him or something and go crazy on him and you've got a story on there because Cody's got um Cody's got MJF now. Um, you'd imagine that Young Bucks are still going to be doing stuff with Proud and Powerful, so get something for Hangman to do. Yeah. That wasn't the biggest um, combat event in the United States that evening. Mm. Oh, I should have known you were going to bring this up. The biggest combat event in the United States that evening happened on streaming platform Dayzone in the United States. And uh, on Sky Box Office in the UK. It was on Box Office? Yes. Jesus. It was the most purchased box office event this year. Admittedly, it was half the price of all the other boxing events, but that's uh, that, that that's don't let um, that get in the way of a uh, good fact for you. And uh, it was the most viewed uh, event on Dayzone's Day history. It was a popular FIFA YouTuber, KSI, against uh, Suicide Forest Logan Paul <laughs> in a boxing match. and uh, Number two as well. This is the second fight, isn't it? Yeah. KSI won. Yeah, um, I, I did watch highlights of this. <laughs> yeah. Well, the, the reason I'm bringing this up, right, is because um, I don't do any other form of public speaking and I just want to chat about it <laughs> just, just a little bit. In the build-up to the fight, like literally, I think the day before, there was a press conference and Logan Paul was saying to KSI, like basically called him stupid, saying he don't know what, like, he, he he can't do maths. He was giving like maths equations. Post fight, because it was a it was a points victory for KSI. Yeah, um... Logan Paul had two points deducted <coughs> because he he grabbed he he hit him with an uppercut. Yeah. But then he grabbed the back of his head, hit him with another uppercut. When KSI then dropped to his knees, he then punched him when he's on the floor. Yeah. Right? So anyway, so he he lost he lost on points. Post fight, he's having an interview, and he says, "Yeah, um, I think nine times out of ten, I beat KSI. He's fought him twice and not beaten him. <laughs> it was a draw the first fight, <laughs> and I lost this one. So uh, at best, it'd be eight out of ten. Now I can't do maths, dickhead. <laughs> the numbers don't lie. <laughs> this spell disaster for Logan Paul at sacrifice. <laughs> yeah. Also, post match, KSI was asked if he wants uh, to do the trilogy fight. He went, huh, "No, we're done." <laughs> Which I appreciate that, yeah. and then uh, he said, "I think you should have an MMA fight with CM Punk. That's how we link it back to wrestling." Um, I saw as well that apparently four different, there's four different celebrities who have contacted Eddie Hearn 
to ask to fight KSI. And also, it, t- uh, Tony Bellew? No, uh, well, he might have done, but it was a, it's a thing if Tyson Fury's brother, is it Tommy Fury, Tony Fury, something like that? Nick Fury. Maybe, one of them. Yeah. Tyson Fury's little brother, who were on Love Island. Um, <laughs> Tyson Fury's little brother was on Love Island? I yeah. didn't know that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, dear. I think it's his brother. Is it some relation to him? I'm sure, I think it's his brother, yeah. Oh. Uh, but yeah, he, he wants to fight, yeah. Because obviously everyone's seen all this money rolling in and want to want to fight him, which you can't blame him. But if I, if I were, I'd just retire undefeated now. <laughs> He'll just do what Conor McGregor does and just avoid ever having to defend the title or anything. And then punch all men in pubs. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and uh, let's not mention the other <laughs> stuff. Allegedly. Allegedly fi- fi- mistreat women. Let's... Final thing we need to talk about this week, and it is the final thing, listeners. I know you're enjoying the show, uh, but it's the final thing. So... um. Just when you thought Dixie Carter were out of the limelight, <laughs> she comes back. And she's not running another wrestling company, but she's uh, she's been on ITV. I know, shock horror. And she were on a show with Ant and Deck, where Ant and Deck find out their relatives. And it turns out she's Deck's cousin. <laughs> Do you think ITV rung her and said, we found your cousin? And she goes... Oh, which bar was he at this time? And they go, excuse me. Say, oh, sorry, I thought you were talking about my husband. <laughs> I, <laughs> I, I genuinely what? don't know whether her and her husband are married. I'm just making an awful joke about Southern people in America. Oh, okay. Oh, and I thought ri- it was I thought rich it was... families, especially, tend to have a bit of inbreeding. Going I thought on. it was some reference to Ant because he was a drink driver. <laughs> I did. I was genuinely considered. How good can I Photoshop a picture? on my phone because when I was walking to the live show on Sunday I, I got off the tram and was walking down there was a, a s- electronic sign what had Ant and Deck my RDNA advertised and I'm like could I photoshop a car crashing into this <laughs> <laughs> just, just to send to Daryl and Graham because I know that you're big fans of uh, Ant McPartland's drink driving yeah <laughs> if that's well, the right phrase I, I would be funny I bought um, two well, one each, Ant and Deck masks, specifically for a film I did at university. So De- Deck featured, and now he's a <laughs> he's a cousin of Dixie Carter. Who knew? Yeah, when I saw those clips going up, and how she keeps getting referred to in all the press as wrestling legend Dixie Carter. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Jesus wept. <sighs> Dixie Carter is back in our lives. <laughs> She just won't go away. Like, this has been a problem. She just won't go away. Do you think she'll somehow get Nick Aldis a job on ITV again? I mean, his last one didn't go as well, but... <laughs> I hope so. Yeah, her showing up on that show where she's suddenly Dex's cousin. That's It's mental to think about how that those two worlds have connected randomly in that way. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Uh, are we done? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, I'm done. So, uh, facebook.com slash Royal Grumble. Like, like us on there. Twitter.com slash pod Follow us on there. Instagram at Pod, Follow us on there. We've got a Twitch that we don't stream on and a YouTube channel we don't post on. Find us on there. Subscribe to us or whatever. Don't really matter. You might get content. You might not. Oh, hang on. Sorry, just a, a very quick announcement that's just been announced for the Sheffield Progress show. Okay. Karen breaking, o- wait, breaking news. Karen O'Hara versus Ilya Dragunov 3. A two out of three falls match. That sounds good. Their feud's been pretty cool in progress, and I'm very happy to get to see that match in person. 
Um, I hope they kiss at the end. That's all I need to say on that. Okay. Uh, they're all social medias. If you go on to uh, iTunes or Apple Podcasts, I know, give give us a little five star rating if you, if you like, please. If you like what we do, it helps us out. Um, donate to Sheffield Children's Hospital via our uh, link that is mentioned at the start of the show. Anything else to add? Go to Breed Wrestling's Patreon so you can see the live show that we talked about at the beginning of this episode. Yes. Say goodbye, Dan. Goodbye. Say goodbye, Daryl. Goodbye, Daryl. You can't slander the dead.